you want to get in on the action, we want to hear from you. Email us at faderoutemail at gmail.com with your questions, comments, picks, segment suggestions, you name it. We want to hear from you. We're on Instagram too. Slide in our DMs at Fade Route Podcast. Get at us. The greatest trophy in all of sports, the most historic, the most coveted. The greatest winning position. You did it with hard work and teamwork. You've earned it, it's yours, enjoy it. It's that time again, but it grab your balloons and invite your friends. See, bounce back on, yeah, strap them in. Look at me, everybody, I'm smiling big. There's no harder championship to win. This has been the ultimate team effort. my honor to present the Stanley Cup. This Larry O'Brien trophy, and I believe this suitcase are yours. Welcome to the Fade Route with D and Z. Here are your hosts, D and Z. episode of the fade route with dnz i am z and we have a great show planned for you we're previewing the nba playoffs we're previewing the stanley cup playoffs we're talking the rash of injuries in major league baseball and for shits and giggles even a little horse racing but we gotta start with some news and notes that uh just came across the wire that uh initially were not part of the production meeting but could not be ignored. For one, we're going to start with Spencer Turnbull of... That is correct. Another one. Thank you very much, DJ Khaled, friend of the show. The Detroit Tigers and Spencer Turnbull. No hit the Seattle Mariners. Five zip last night. It is the second time that the Mariners have been no hit this year. Putting them in the illustrious company of the Cleveland Indians. There's a, there's a group to be a part of. Went nine innings, struck out nine, walked two. And Jimer Candelario had two hits, two ribbies. Akil Badu had a had a ribby and a run scored, you know, riding high in April and hitting 222 in May, Mr. Badu. So, uh, you know, how the mighty have fallen. And we're looking at the Mariners' end of the Robinson Cano deal, and Justin Dunn took the loss. Uh, one of the top-regarded prospects, five and two-thirds innings, two runs, also nine strikeouts, so... You know, not terrible, but when you're going going up against a guy who throws a no-no, doesn't really matter. Jared Kelnick, 0 for 3. 
starting off to a rip-roaring start, 160 and a 192 on-base percentage. So he's still young, but it's not looking good so far. Compared to Robinson Cano and his multiple drug suspensions, though, you know, I'll still take them. Moving to the Windy City, but staying in the American League Central, Jeremy Mercedes and, more specifically, manager Tony La Russa have gotten themselves into a little bit of a dust-up over the results of last night's game. It was 15-4 to White Sox in the ninth inning, and La Tortuga. Williams Estadio, the new Bartolo Colon, was on the mound to pitch. He is normally a catcher and a third baseman. And Mercedes took a 3-0 fastball, and I'm using air quotes again. It was a 47-mile-an-hour pitch, and he tattooed it over 400 feet, not really upsetting the Twins so much as that he upset his own manager, who was yelling at him to take, and then afterwards called it a clueless move, saying he lacked respect for his opponent. And old Tony, he's making a lot of friends in Chicago because – not only did Tim Anderson and Lance Lynn, Lucas Giolito, they backed Yerman Mercedes, affectionately known as the Yerminator, but they drew in other people from other teams. Trevor Bauer, of course, Trevor Bauer had an opinion. Alex Wood from the Giants had an opinion. All going up against Tony La Russa, and frankly... I mean, all bets are off. I get it. A position position player is in to pitch. But at the same time, I kind of agree with Tony Russa that, you know, we have come to the point we no longer have respect for competition anymore. We have no longer have respect for our opponents. And sometimes enough is enough. 15 to four in the top of the ninth inning. I'm pretty sure enough is enough. Stop beating them. They're already dead. And here he is. I've known this guy since our days on Carousel Shoes. Flight crew through and through the last QB in St. John's history. What's up, D? How's it going, man? What a way to start the show. I'm going to have to disagree with you big time, man. Like, listen, you talk about dis- disrespecting your opponent. You're disrespecting me by putting a position player on the mound. Put one of your pitchers out there. Nobody told you to put a position player out there. And what gall on Tony Larusa? You know, the old saying is, is listen, if there's a scuffle, you don't grab your own players. You grab the other team first. You always stick up for your guys. I don't have any problem with this guy taking it deep, taking this thing yard. And a lot of the players in that locker room and a lot of players around the league didn't have a problem either. If you don't want this guy to, you know, tear a hole into the, the ball, then put somebody else on the mound. Throw, throw a better pitch. Walk him. Make sure you walk him. Don't throw it in the strike zone. I also read somewhere that a 45-mile-per-hour pitch hadn't been hit for a home run in over 13 years. So, come on. Like, I can understand if he's stealing bases. I can understand if he laid down a bunt. That's a dick move. But what did you want him to do? Slap it the other way? Like, I don't I don't understand what you want this guy to do. He, he did what he was supposed to do as a baseball player. He stood in his mood. He jacked one out. We don't know what kind of milestones he's trying to reach this year. Maybe he's got a home run clause. Maybe he's got an RBI clause. Maybe he has an extra base hit clause. Don't take that away from this guy. If you have a if you have a problem with the way he's at the way somebody's approaching the plate, don't put a freaking relief put a relief pitcher in the game. You got relief pitchers. You got them. You didn't want to waste them. So that's my two cents on that. Yeah. Well, Yerman Mercedes doesn't have anything because he's a rookie. He's a twenty eight year old rookie. So I get where 
you know, you're trying to impart, you know, you're trying to impart your stamp on the game. I understand that. But also, you know, Tony LaRusa, you're you're stepping out of the dugout saying take, take, take. You can call timeout. You can call timeout from the dugout. If Tony LaRusa was telling me to take, 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 I would have told him to eat my ass. Go back in the dugout. Like, get out of here. What was it? I think a month ago, Anthony Rizzo was pitching against uh, Freddie Freeman, and he struck him out. He struck him out. I mean, it wasn't 45 miles per hour, but I think he struck him out with like a 50 or 55-mile-per-hour fastball. And so, you know, it, it could happen. He, Mercedes could have t- took that big hack, and he could have missed. Oh, he could have swung out of his shoes. And yeah. Like an so, so I mean, and the other thing is, is I can't believe Tony La Russa is going after his own players, calling Mercedes clueless. This all coming from the guy that doesn't know the extra innings rules. Then you have then you have Lance Lynn saying, you know, you could throw all that stuff out the window when you bring in a, a relief pitcher sticking up for his guy. He goes, that's why Lance Lynn is in the locker room and I have an office. Like, dude, you are looking at this the complete wrong way. Either don't talk about it or talk about it with your team behind closed doors. Don't go blowing people's spot up in the media. That's, now, but, like, but get the, this, get this, get this. Before you continue, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to pull a Kanye. I'm going to let you finish. They have the best record. They have the best fucking record. Like, think about that. Like, yeah. they, they, they have the best record. Mm-hmm. On top of all this, his yeah. seemingly, in, seemingly inability to grasp the modern game, even though he's not that far removed. He's only 10 years removed from the game. And he was an executive with the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was a consultant, so he's he hasn't been on a ranch in Montana like Phil Jackson, you know. <laughs> he, he was actually there. He's seen this happen. I I get I get where you're coming from. I just think that there does there does need to be a little bit more respect in the game. Like with, there, find out a way, find a happy medium. It's not like he pimped the home run. Like I, he's that's the ironic thing. Tony La Russa is fine with guys pimping home runs. He's not okay, apparently, with t- with a three zero hit up fifteen uh, up eleven runs. But this all this all coming from a, yeah, this all coming from a guy who had two players in 1988-1989 doing steroids on his team, jacking home runs out off of everybody. This coming oh, from a guy. He's very flexible with yeah. Uh, with those things. Right. This coming from a guy who in the 70s had put a person in the outfield that was recording signs from a catcher. Like, don't don't be calling people clueless and throwing things out there and respecting your opponent when you were doing terrible, terrible things before that. I guarantee you steroids is much worse than Mercedes taking a shot, taking a home run out on a guy who's never pitched before. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, but there's definitely a mutiny brewing in Chicago. But uh, you know what? Well, let's talk a little bit about the Turnbull no-hitter. I mean, you're getting closer to your your five. <laughs> like, you know, th- this is about to become true for you. And how about, I mean, the Mariners, like how mediocre are you that you're getting no hit by the sorry-ass no-account Tigers? Yeah, I told you, it's going to happen. <laughs> it's definitely going to happen. We're averaging, like, so many uh, this year. It's it's unreal. But, you know, at, at, we talked about this last time. As the hitter's approach changes and pitchers consistently get into a rhythm, it's going to happen. 
there's nothing you could do to stop it. If by the fourth inning you don't make some changes, pitchers are going to get into rhythm, their pitch count's going to be low, and you're going to get in trouble. And he really, I mean, I've watched some of the highlights from the game. He really wasn't dishing anything that special. I mean, he was, you know, he, he was going out there just making his pitches. Uh, but we are, we definitely are on a record pace here. And um, who knows who's going to be the, who's going to be the next victim. That's true. And it's the first time since 1917 that they've had this many no hitters this early in a season. So this may very well be the tip of the iceberg, but as we know, mediocre pitchers can throw no hitters. Yes. Right. And you have great pitchers who throw perfect games. Exactly. Right. And you know, Rob Manfred still, you have not addressed the issue that there are six. You still haven't done that. And I'm going to call you to account on this show every week until you fix that. For the rest of this season, you need to fix that, buddy. You need to get on top of that. It's time for the fade-in where we give a nod to the trending sports stories of the week. Speaking of getting on top of things, the NBA play-in games continue tonight with your main event of the evening. The Los Angeles Lakers and the Golden State Warriors do battle in the 7-8 game with medium stakes. Not do or die, not win or go home. It's, you know, win in advance, lose and you go into the loser's bracket where you get to feast on either the San Antonio Spurs or the Memphis Grizzlies. And last night you had the Boston Celtics behind Jason Tatum's 50, putting Russell Westbrook in, in the play-in game. And LaMelo Ball is on his way home after the Pacers put 144 on the Hornets. But with this Lakers-Warriors matchup, is this a big win for Adam Silver? I mean, I don't think so. I also think he really missed by putting this thing on at 10 o'clock. Uh, a bonus for us because we could do the show and then watch the game. But uh, this this would have been a better, like, you know, actual series. And why would you want, like, two of your top five players to really be playing in a playing game with the chance of wanting them, one of them losing two in a row and then not getting into the playoffs at all. Um, this, I mean, this would have been a cool first round or second round matchup, obviously because of seeding, that's not really possible, but uh, I just, I don't, I don't really see, you know, you have a, like Steph Curry potentially could be the MVP of this league and he could lose tonight and then lose the next game and not be in the playoffs. When was the last time an MVP didn't even make it into the playoffs, right? But two things that I'm really taking away from the game tonight is I'm actually starting to look forward to Klay Thompson coming back next year. I'm starting to believe that Golden State Warriors will be a force to be reckoned with next year. The tear that Steph has been on these, these last couple of games is just absurd, and I think they have a real chance to be in the NBA Finals last year. And then next year, I'm going to kind of double double talk on some things I mentioned earlier or some things I mentioned in the last show. I'm actually starting to be a fan of the playing game. Uh, watching Boston come alive last night was invigorating. Watching the Hornets get blowed out, and, it, and I actually kind of liked it. So 
they're, they they might have something here, but when you have LeBron James who's hurting, Anthony Davis who's hurting, and your MVP playing tonight with the potential of maybe going home in a couple of days, that would be bad for the NBA. It definitely would be bad for the NBA, but honestly, I don't foresee it happening. I see them both making it. Uh, whoever I'm, whoever makes it out tonight, it will definitely be a better team than either the Grizzlies or the Spurs. But the, the Spurs are a shell of what they used to be, and the Grizzlies still aren't there yet. So these two teams are playoff contenders. They're playoff hopefuls on an annual basis. The winner, I don't know if they're really a winner because you get to go up against the Phoenix Suns. Like, yay, I'm a winner. I get to take, at least if I get the Utah Jazz, I got a shot against the Jazz. Like, I find that the Jazz peaked a little bit too early and they're definitely not as formidable as they were to start the season. Whereas the Suns, they've kind of just been steady Eddie throughout the entire season. And that has to do a lot with Chris Paul. But, I mean, Steph Curry had the scoring title. He is shooting the lights out right now. He's definitely a one-man show. Uh, as far as what the Warriors need to do in order to diversify their game, Andrew Wiggins needs to come alive. Like, Andrew Wiggins needs to be that guy that Cleveland thought he was going to be That when they originally drafted him. When Minnesota thought he was going to be when they traded for him in the Kevin Love trade and what the Warriors hoped they would be when they traded for him. So Wiggins, it, it's time. It is time for him to do what he does. As far as the injuries go for the Los Angeles Lakers, yes, they're still gelling. They're still coming together. But if the Indiana Pacers have taught us anything is that banged up doesn't matter because they went and put a fucking whooping on the Charlotte Hornets <laughs> last night to the, por- to the point where they saved Nate Bjorkman's job. So, you know, Injury in one game, anything can happen, but either way, I think Adam Silver is fine with this being the first one. I don't think he would be okay if he routinely had a team of the caliber of the Lakers or a team of the caliber of the Warriors in the play in game every year because that shows you. I mean, you're gonna lose a significant number of eyeballs because this is still a star driven league. And yeah. you're going to yeah. want to see these people. You're going to want to see them. Yeah. Regardless. And the, the other thing is, it's like we're in different times. Yes, it is one game, but what happens if Golden State loses today and then tomorrow Steph Curry tests positive for COVID? Like, there's a problem, right? I mean, right. now he now – and just because of maybe where he was or maybe where he played, that became an issue, and that took out him and maybe some of the other players in his team. Yeah, I'm, I think this is more built for, like – a Hornets or a maybe not Portland because Portland's got some players, but maybe even like Eastern a, Conference and Western Conference, you would say. Yeah, I just I think it's built it's built for lesser teams to have something to play for, you know, towards the end of the season. But you're you're asking LeBron James to play more games than he really needs to, and he's hurt right now. You're asking you're asking you know Steph Curry to go out there and and you know, play possibly an unnecessary game. So I could, I could see where this can come back to bite them, but it's good TV. I mean, like I said, I watched, I watched pretty much the whole Boston game last night and uh, they came alive. Maybe that's a team that could build off of playing in the playing game, but to talk back what you said earlier, you know, if I see the Warriors losing tonight, 
And then I think that they have a really good chance to beat the Jazz. I don't see why they couldn't, especially if Steph's playing the way he's playing. And then with, for the Lakers, they just match up well against the Suns. If, if Anthony Davis and LeBron are healthy, they're going to give the Suns a lot of problems. So you could potentially see both one and two seeds get knocked out early, which really doesn't happen in the NBA, right? The NBA is all about like lower seeds moving on. So um, it would be interesting to see how things play out. And the, I think the worst part about it, right, is that you're kind of you're you're kind of cheapening the regular season again because now you're saying okay these guys were hurt all year they really didn't play in the last I don't know what do you say like 20 games they were kind of in and out yeah and now they come in and they beat the two top seeds and move on to the next round man it's going to be hard to pitch this regular season concept to fans I'm, I'm sorry it just is no it's it's definitely well it'll slowly move the NBA closer to the NCAA than anything else because what's the point of winning what's the point of winning in the regular season if it's just going to be a, a, a tournament scenario and anybody who gets hot can win you can't help but smile when you see a balloon the simplest occasion is a party Westchester Popstar is located in New Rochelle New York offers balloon styling and decor for all life's events birthdays anniversaries weddings showers school and corporate events store openings or just because Westchester Popstars takes balloons and shapes them into works of art creating decorative installations for your special occasions no event is too big or too small and their custom personalization service is top notch Westchester Popstars is a private studio quickly expanding in-person consultation is by appointment only send an email to westchesterpopstars at gmail.com for more information or to schedule an appointment no need to hire an event stylist. All you need is balloons. Currently servicing Westchester, Putnam, New York City, and Connecticut. To find Westchester pop stars, search for them on Instagram, Facebook, or Google. But it's very interesting that you bring that up, that the three seed could end up being the highest seed left in the Western Conference. And that three seed currently belongs to the Los Angeles Clippers who were in the Catbird seat, and then after losses to the Rockets and Thunder, where they clearly weren't really interested in playing. <laughs> and just, we were just going to do our thing. We're in the playoffs, so kind of whatever, man. And now they've avoided a potential matchup with the Lakers or potential matchup with the Warriors, is this some shady stuff? Like, were they intentionally trying to avoid the, the Lakers? And, and oh, excuse me, they, they dropped to the four seed. They draw the Mavericks, which isn't exactly an easy one itself. Are they going to get clapped by Dallas? Ha! <laughs> Claypool clapped. Uh, I mean, last week I thought it was possible. But the more I think about it, I think the Clippers have more depth. Also, something I, I just learned about the Clippers is they led the they led the league in three point shooting. Isn't that surprising? That's surprising. Uh, so uh, I I think I think the Clippers have more depth. Dantish will have to do all of this alone essentially, and Kawhi, you know, he he's got a better running mate. You know, I know play. We we're interested to see how playoff P is going to play, uh, but uh, Paul George is an all star. I mean, he's he's a very he's a very well rounded player. Uh, it'd be nice to see uh, Leonard guard Luca down the stretch, but 
I can see the Clippers kind of beating them in four or five, four or five games. A one-man show in Dallas. Where have I heard this before? <laughs> anyway, uh, I mean, it could end up being the gentleman's sweep. I definitely can see – I can concede a game for the Mavericks. I don't know if Luka Doncic can do it all on his own. I think he definitely needs another guy beyond beyond the poor Zingas or beyond, you know, right. beyond the hat. Right. And, you know, they're a year away. Like, they definitely – they make a few tweaks to that roster – and I think absolutely they will be a better contender next year. As far as the Clippers, they absolutely want to duck the Lakers. Like they uh, personally, I would want, I would welcome it, but that's me. I'm not Ty Lue. I'm not Paul George. I refuse to call him playoff P because you know if you don't show up. He's he's layoff P. He's not playoff P. And Kawhi like. You know, Kawhi is really the only one that, that I really, you know, kind of trust on that team just because it's like he's he's Iceman, man. He just like he goes, he does his thing, he wins and he moves on. Like it's it's amazing. He's almost it's almost robotic for him. So I definitely, you know, I could see them moving on in the playoffs. And who's to say they don't draw the Lakers in the second round? So right. who, we don't know how this is going to match up. And that's the. That's also the beauty of the playing game right now because it's still kind of up in the air. It's still a little bit in flux. And, you know, in a world where the Denver Nuggets could somehow end up being the top seed left in a playoff bracket, like that could be very interesting moving forward. And, you know, with Ty Lue and Kawhi Leonard, I mean, they definitely can make a run, especially in a depleted Western Conference. They could def- I could definitely see them make a run to the Western Conference Finals. But it all depends on who they draw and how they get there, you know? Yeah, I mean, I do – like I said, most of the years in the NBA, you can really chalk up, you know, the, the winners every round. But I, like I said, I do I do like the idea of Golden State beating the Jazz. I like the idea of the Lakers uh, being able to beat the Suns. Uh, I like the idea in the East. The only one I can see is I could see Miami beating the Bucks. They've proven they can do that. Um, I even like Portland to beat the Nuggets. I mean, I think I think it's really wide open, especially you're factoring in the idea that, you know, around the country right now, things are starting to open up. They're starting to 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 um, limit the covid restrictions. And I think that really opens people up in the NBA that are going to be susceptible to catching this and possibly having to miss time. And and that and that's really going to change everything. No, I mean, the last year was the aberration with the bubble. So we're definitely not seeing that this year, and we are going to see what these teams are made of. And I think teams' depth is really going to be tested as you progress through these, because, like you said, you are encountering people that you don't nor- that you didn't encounter last year. So whether it's fans or right. any of that, you're you're going back to normal in a scenario when normal could be an issue, and ultimately cost your team. You also saw with the Pacers, like they lost Karis LeVert. I mean, that's huge for them. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely huge. In I mean, in one game, it didn't matter. But, you know, moving on in the series against a more respectable team, I mean, you're drawing either, you know, you're probably going to end up drawing, what, the second seed? So, like, that's not, you know, you're not going to survive. Like, you're no. going to – 
you're gonna lose the Nets. Like you're drawing yeah. the Nets. Congratulations. You know, it's I don't know. Or at worst, you're gonna be against the Sixers. Sixers. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, I don't know. I, I really don't see how that's. You know, that's not going to be advantageous for them to be down Karis LeVert in a series where they're already outmanned. Another scenario where bubble bursting is occurring is in the NHL as the race for Lord Stanley's Cup begins. We have a scenario where the top four teams from each of the divisions play each other. <laughs> the winners move on. And then... Once you get to the semifinals, there will be a reseeding based on the regular season point total, which makes sense. Like, that's fine. Like, I have no issue following that. But what do we know about these teams? Oh, Gary Bettman. Gary Bettman. Uh, we really don't know anything, right? Uh, I, I was, I've, been watching the, I've been watching some of the games, and I've been just, you know, just looking at the beefiness and the brolicness of some of these teams i i, I really like the, the caps you know two years ago they were formidable ov backstrom now they have and they have oshi and chara i mean that's talent man that's depth i mean that's something you got to really worry about and then saying in the same series i really love the bruins they're gritty they're tough all year every year marchand i think is i've always thought marchand is like one of the best players in the nhl and they seem to be peaking at the right time but I do think the window is closing for Pittsburgh. You know, Crosby, Malkin, uh, Latang. Yeah, those guys are great, but they were like great like five years ago. Right. Um, and they're and they're playing a tough Islanders team in the first round. Like the Islanders are not a pushover anymore, man. They are a team to be reckoned with. Um, I'm not really feeling the North Division. The Leafs, Canadians, meh. And it, 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 I guess it, they're guaranteed to get somebody in the semis, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 the team may have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Yes. Yeah, I mean it's big for the it's big it's big for them. It's big for Toronto. I mean they love their Maple Leafs and they kind of deserve it. Um, it gives it gives it really gives Canada a chance this year. I feel like, but you know we could talk up and down about all the different teams, the Central Division, the North Division, the East Division. But at the end of the day, man, the Lightning are just so damn good. And they get Kucherov back, defending champs. I don't know. It's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to beat. It's gonna be hard to beat them, man. We're gonna talk about Kevin Pillar being superhuman in a little bit, but Nikita guy. Kucherov. Nikita Kucherov is freaking insane. Not playing all year. Surgically repaired hip. Game one. Two goals. Like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. So he right. rolled out of bed and put two in. The right. Head. Dude got no training camp. Didn't play all year. He's like, just hops on the ice and just starts. Scoring goals and stopping people. Like, damn, man. Clearly, this league is too easy for Mr. Kucherov. But I, I agree with you. Like, these guys have been playing each other all season. So right. it's one of those things that I don't know what they are because they've just been, it, it's a continuation of, a, of the regular season at this point. So I feel like we won't really know anything until the semifinal round. So, right. because you're actually going to be facing teams that are outside of your bubble. And goaltending is going to mean so much. I think Washington might be dead in the water because Craig Anderson is in net. Like, he's 38 years old. They were, hang <laughs> they were hanging their hat on having Henrik Lundqvist so badly. And how much better would it be for a healthy Henrik Lundqvist versus Craig Anderson? I mean, it's you not might, yeah, you might laugh at me, but that's really one of the reasons why I think 
the West has a chance with the Golden Knights because of Fleury. Like, you can't – I know he's not the same guy he was five or six years ago, but he's still a formidable goaltender. And if he gets hot, that's it's going to be tough to beat. And that's the whole thing about, about these series now is once they get out of playing each other – it's going to be, okay, who is the best coaching staff to make adjustments in a seven-game series and whose goaltender is hot because that's who's going to win. And, yeah, we say that every year the hot goaltender wins, but it's really going to be about coaching and adjustments this year more than ever. Right, and to speak to that, coaching and adjustments, I'm calling it right now. The New York Islanders are going to win the Stanley Cup. They got Trotz. That's all you need to know. Trotz yeah, is the best right. coach in the NHL. Their goaltending is a little suspect, but if there's anybody I trust more to game plan around that in order to protect their goaltending, it is Barry Trotz. So I'm going to call it right now. It's going to be Edmonton and the Islanders, and the Islanders win. What's your way-too-early prediction? I mean, you're going to tell me that you don't you don't think John Cooper is a really good coach, man? I think he is, but I, he's not Barry Trotz. Yeah, um, I don't. I I think it's too early for me to kind of predict uh, who's gonna win. I do. I do like Boston coming out of the East, though. Um, I do like the Golden Knights coming out of the West. So we'll see where the chips fall from there. So not a not a going out, going with the Edmonton Oilers, huh? Like this is <laughs> finally their year. No, even though they have like one of the best players ever created. Mini Gretzky here. Connor McDavid in 56 games. Get this. 105 points, 33 goals, 72 assists, a plus 21 for the season. Is this a big deal, little deal, or no deal? Uh, it's, 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 to me, it's a big deal. I mean, he's 21 points higher than the next productive scorer. He's got 1.88 points per game, 23rd best single season scoring rate in the history of the league. And when you project it out over 82 games, he would have had 159 points, which would give him the fifth best season ever behind Gretzky and Super Mario. So we can't really say that this is not a big deal. Well, I'm going to say it's no deal. I'm going to be consistent. Whoa. I'm going to say I'm going to be consistent. If, I, if I'm going to say that Russell Westbrook's thing is no deal, then I'm going to say this is no deal. Because at the end of the day, one of the more frustrating franchises to root for in the NHL has been the Edmonton Oilers. Since they sold off Gretzky, they have just been trying to get back to that. And they've never been able to make it back. Whether it was McDavid or Dreisaitl or Nugent Hopkins or Taylor Hall, right? They're cashing, they, they never cashed in on these guys. So as my mom used to say, it's time to shit or get off the pot for this team. So that's a fine, a fine accomplishment. Wayne Gretzky I, played in 34 games, mind you, in 1983. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky did it in 34 games, beat that son. And if we are going to do a statistical, if we're going to drop the name and invoke the name of the greatest hockey player I've ever seen, let's at least call it apples to apples. And until he wins a Stanley Cup, I don't want to hear shit about Connor McDavid. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I understand with you wanting to be consistent. And, I, and, I, and I, you're a gentleman and a scholar for that. 
But, I mean, basketball is just a different sport than hockey. I mean, there are so many things that factor into a hockey game. And, you know, Westbrook is pretty much going up and getting the rebounds. And, you know, everybody else is dropping back. So that, that that's how he's getting those rebounds. And then uh, scoring for him is tough. But he comes – he goes at the basket with such, you know, ferocity that – uh, you know he's he's a hard, he's a hard player to stop. This guy McDavid on the ice is just magic, man. And he's a big dude. Like, he's a big dude. You're not gonna give him a little bit of dap. I'll give him a little bit, but until he wins a cup, he gets no full dap. You're not gonna get a you're not gonna get a full dap for me, especially in, a, in an era where they've tried to pump up scoring. You, if you but look, he's gonna, but he's but gonna get it. You and look at Gretzky clutching, grabbing the era of the enforcer. They were trying to beat those guys down, and they couldn't do it. But he's you gonna can't get do it. Do that now. But he's like, gonna get it, right? You would agree that he's gonna get it, right? Eventually, I don't know if he's gonna get one with the with the Edmonton Oilers. Right? No, no, I don't think he's gonna get it with the Oilers either. But I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna get at least one. I mean, would hope so, or else it's, you know it's got to be one of the more frustrating careers of all time to be that good and not even sniff at least get to a cup final. Well, how? The- yeah, I mean, Crosby got his. Uh, you know, they, they, he's going to find a way. I don't think it's going to be with Edmonton though, but he's definitely going to find a way. He's just too good. I mean, it, it, you see him on the ice; he's, he's fast and, and he, he he makes good assists and he, he he's able to find the back of the net. Like it's just it's. It's unreal watching him play. It is just unreal to watch him play. Paging Mr. Drury, call Edmonton <laughs> and get no. him the farm. <laughs> no, you just wait. You wait. You wait. Just like, well, that's actually, that's actually not a bad. That's not a bad idea when you think about it. Because <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's how Gretzky left, right? He and he's only Kings. in his early twenties. That's that's the thing. Gretzky got sold to the Kings, right? Yeah, for Marty Jelena and a bag of balls. And they right. lose balls in hockey. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but you've got to assume that he's going to continue to mature. The projections this year were off the charts. He, he manages to stay healthy. He's not just a scorer. He does it all. Are you in need of air care, maintenance, or service? I have the company for you. Air care technicians. They service the Westchester and Northern Bronx area and can help you with all your heating and cooling maintenance and service needs. Just give them a call at 914-315-1547. Again, that's 914-315-1547. Or shoot them an email at aircaretechnicians at gmail.com. These guys are the real deal as they are veteran-owned, licensed, and insured. Make sure to tell them that DNZ sent you. And you hit on the most important thing, which is health. And speaking of health, Major League Baseball has a huge injury problem right now. Just with the names that are on the IL right now, you're looking at Trout and Stanton and Conforto and McNeil and DeGrom and Syndergaard. And Taiwan Walker just went on the disabled, the injured list today. Is this a, just a bad year, or is this something more for Major League? 
I love how you say Conforto and Stan in the same sentence. That's awesome. Who would um, you rather have? I'd rather have Michael Conforto right now. Conforto! Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to say it's meh. It's just, it's just another year. I mean, it feel I feel like Stan and Trout are really on the DL, or IL, I'm sorry, every year. Um, you know, the, they're headlining the injuries. But we've, you know, but some players like Degrom, yeah, it's kind of new. Real Moto, Rizzo, they're missing some games. I mean, Bryce Harper took a fastball to the face along with Kevin Pillar. Can you really? Oh, Kevin I mean, Pillar. And he he asked if he was in the lineup the next day. That's a gamer. That's the guy I want on my team, and thankfully he's finally on my team. Uh, I just I don't know how baseball players do it, and I'm a baseball player, but man, to take. A 94 mile per hour fastball in the face, and then be able to get back into the box, man. I just I don't know I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it. It's and even the you know you got a curveball or slider inside. How do you mentally prepare yourself for that at bat and still be able to do what you got to do? That's true. And a lot of what we're seeing is soft tissue injuries. I mean, yeah, you are seeing like Corey Seager got hit in the hand, broke his pinky. Ooh, yeah, that was pick. bad. You know, like these things are happening, but a lot of them are lat muscles and hamstrings and quads and uh, Achilles and calves. Like these things are, it sounds like the major league baseball players are just getting a little bit too muscular because what happens when you have a rubber band that's stretched all the way, it snaps. Yeah, I mean, I've heard this argument before. It's like when you when you talk about players from like the 60s and the 70s, they didn't have all this state of the art equipment. They weren't being forced to work out every single day. They didn't. They had regular jobs in the off season. They weren't doing baseball or working out all year round. I mean, you look the size of uh, Mike Stanton, uh, Giancarlo Stanton. You look at the size of Aaron Judge. I mean, these guys are huge, and they're putting this stress and the strain on their body day in and day out. Even pitchers, you know, what is it? You throw, you throw a simulated game, then you have a bullpen session, then you actually do pitch. By the time you actually do pitch, the day you're pitching, you've thrown over 100 pitches. You know, mm-hmm. they, I, they, they just don't – they didn't do stuff back then. And, and you had players, uh, they, were able to, they were able to pitch longer, play longer. So uh, it's a whole industry that would, you know, seemingly cease to exist – if at some point someone was able to produce science that said that this isn't good for players, but then you look at Tom Brady and his trainer and they do pliability. It's all about being flexible. Not me, not most, not about really lifting the most weights. It's doing stretching, doing, doing exercises more than weightlifting. And it prolonged the careers of a lot of Patriots. It couldn't prolong the, the years for like Gronkowski and Edelman. And even now, the you know Tom Brady. So, uh, in some of the other names you didn't mention, like Bellinger, Bellinger's still out. Uh, he had a hairline fracture. Abreu's out this week. Acuna keeps getting hurt. Seems like now he twisted his ankle. Price was hurt with a hamstring. Uh, but I I really do feel like this is baseball. Um, we we see these injuries come every year. Players come in and out. They have deeper teams. And the other thing is, is people aren't playing hurt no more. Mm-hmm. The, day, the days of playing hurt are over. You're never going to see a Cal Ripken ever again. 
you're never going to see uh, guys, you know, playing all 162 games or even 150 games. It's just not happening. No, it's definitely not. And also, a lot of the issues with the wildness of relievers because they're being taught to maximize velocity rather than control is also a subsequent issue, too, because they are hitting players at a higher clip than even just five years ago. So guys are getting hit, guys are getting hurt, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're, you know, we're raising a generation of Armando Benitez's. Yeah, I mean, I do play fantasy baseball, and it's crazy because I feel like Buster Posey has off like every other day, and Michael Brantley has off like every either Saturday or Sunday. It's like, what is going on? He's not hurt, but they're just trying to – they're trying to manage the, the the wear and tear in their bodies, and they're trying to prevent in- injuries. And that's another thing. I think that's that plays into the season more than injuries. Is you could see teams taking preventative measures in trying to limit the chances of their player getting hurt. Yeah. So basically, what we're talking about here is load management. So is is baseball the the poster child for load management? Since you have 162 games and 180 days, you're playing essentially from February to November if you're lucky. So is that something that should be done? Should other leagues take note as far as how load management should kind of be done? I think it'd be hard. You know, basketball is a star-driven league. Uh, you You need your stars out there. You need them to play. If I go to the ballpark and Buster Posey isn't playing, it doesn't really ruin my day. If I go to the park and Aaron Judge isn't playing, even if I'm an Aaron Judge fan, does it necessarily ruin my day? Probably not. In football, they got to play every day. I mean, every game is important. Every and every Sunday is important. And I, we talked about this last time. I wonder if that's going to change a bit with the new schedule, because I do feel that you're going to have you're going to put put in a situation where not like I'm not saying the Bucks, but you're going to get a team that maybe be 14 and 0 and 15 and 0, and they're like, you know what? We're sitting the next three games because we've already locked up the one seed, and the one seed gets the bye now, and that's all we care about. Then what do you do? I, I, that's going to happen. You can't stop something like that from happening. No, you, you can't. It's an evolution in the sport, and it's one of those things that you can't really do, that, especially as, well, the NFL is a different breed. It's a different animal because it's – Nobody's arguing to expand the hockey season. Nobody's arguing to expand the the basketball season. They're actively trying to expand the NFL season on a regular basis. So with that is going to be legislated more rules. Like there are no more two-a-days, the padded practices. All of that has been litigated. But a second bye week is definitely – we mentioned this last week. That one goes without saying. It is definitely going to – be adjudicated and it's going to be written into the bylaws of this next collective bargaining agreement. So I wonder if that's something and God help me, uh, Tony Clark and Rob Manfred can't, can't agree on what sandwich to get, let alone what would be a good way to kind of, you know, work on this as part of the uh, collective bargaining agreement. So at least, I mean, football, I know we'll get it right. Major league baseball. I don't know. I'm getting hungry over here. Should have cooked up some dinner. 
And if you're looking for a new cooking show to binge, check out As You Eat It on YouTube, hosted by me, Chef Z. I invite you into my home and show you what and how I cook when I'm off the clock as a chef instructor. You're going to learn fun recipes and creative methods to empower and inspire you in the kitchen and take it to the next level. Cook how you want to cook, eat how you want to eat, eat as you eat it. That's As You Eat It, available only on YouTube. AZ, you eat it. Check it out and let's get cooking. But as far as being a star-driven league, Major League Baseball is still a star-driven league to a degree. I mean, look at Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani is single-handedly carrying the Angels right now, now that Trout is gone. For just the simple fact that he's leading home runs, he's pitching to an ERA around two and a quarter, and he's starting tonight. Uh, you know, like there are stars. And they do shine brighter than the rest of them. And one of those guys that used to be a star whose who's shine has dimmed a little bit is Albert Pujols. The former Angel, speaking of the Angels, he was cut loose after he refused a reduction in play and a change in role. Essentially, they were going to put him on the bench as a pinch hitter. And he decided he would rather seek opportunity elsewhere Catching on with, of all teams, the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's a full, it's not, wasn't a minor league deal. It, he went right to the majors, was right in the lineup his first day. Got one, one for four with the Ribby. What is his ultimate impact going to be on the defending world champions? Uh, they're probably going to have to order a cup, couple more cups of Gatorade and extra bags of fl- sunflower seeds. That's about <laughs> it. Um, you know, he's he's batting 194 with five home runs and 14 RBIs. I mean, it's really none. I mean, the Dodgers are hurt right now, right? They got Bellinger out. Now Seager is going to be out. Uh, he's he's done. He's done as a player. He's entering Miguel Cabrera land. Uh, he can barely run. I see him running. It looks so painful. <laughs> I don't – the thing about it is, I mean, Dodgers got him for free. Angels are paying his salary. Yep. But it's just interesting that he wants to keep going. Uh and I wonder what it is that's, that's driving him. Because at this point in your career, are you looking for another championship? I mean, he's really done it all. I mean, he's going to finish as what probably one of the one of the best 10 to 5 hitters in, in Major League Baseball history, especially when you look at the first half of his career. So <laughs> if they're paying – I mean, the Angels are paying you to stay home. What, what, what's making you go to the ballpark every day, especially when you, you really can't play no more? Well, I got I to gotta call back to what we were talking about last week with Tim Tebow. Hubris. It's pride and it's hubris. You don't know you're done. You think you're still that guy, especially if you're a superstar. You, you know, you've been treated that way. You've been performing up until recently. He hasn't been performing that way. But the first half of that contract with the Angels, he was at least decent. I mean, three-time MVP, rookie of the year, 10-time All-Star, two-time World Series winner, two-time Gold Glove, six-time Silver Slugger, and he's got a batting title. And he was NL- NLCS MVP. I think I got everything. I got to take a breath. But, um, yeah, like, that's – most of that was in the early part of his career. None of that happened once he signed on with the Angels. And there is no safety net with Dodgers. There's, there's no DH – except in interleague games. The only good thing is that this could end up being a short-term kind of scenario because they are hurt right now. You can move Max Muncy 
around the diamond. You can move Justin Turner around the diamond. You have Gavin Lux. So you can kind of move these more flexible pieces around and have Albert Pujols at first base for a little while if he can perform. The Dodgers also got Yoshi Tsutsugo from the Rays, so he may also be in on this playing time here. I'm not saying a strict platoon or anything like that, but they definitely will be battling for at-bats, and, and they'll be battling for a bench spot once this team gets healthy. Um, as far as, I mean, he may be good for a few home runs, a few RBIs, like, but nothing to be consistently counted upon. And I don't think he – I mean, this, this is definitely going to be his last run. I don't see another team outside of the Cardinals, even for like a one-day contract, you know, retire as a Cardinal type deal. But I don't see anybody going out of their way to say, yeah, I want a career – I want a 194 hitter right now. I want somebody who has a 250 on base percentage. That's what I need. That's the key. That, that, that's the <laughs> that's, guy that's going to take that's we're, that's what we're missing. That's what we're missing here. Yeah, we are definitely missing. missing this guy. Uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised he didn't get picked up by American League team. Especially, I was surprised Tony Russo didn't try to get him. Or the other thing is, it's like it's not it's not like people are trying to sell tickets right now because right. you you would think that a team that was maybe maybe at the bottom in, in attendance in the American League would be like oh we can sign Albert Pujols so we can always say that he retired. <laughs> He retired as a, as an Oakland Athletic or something like that, but that's not going to happen. No, not at all. But it's definitely one of these scenarios that, you know, he's dead, but he doesn't know it. Kind of. <laughs> so you know, let him have his run. He didn't have his goodbye run last year. You know, you're entitled. You you can have your goodbye run. Just don't go start to dictate terms to a team. And so credit to the Dodgers. I definitely want to give the Dodgers credit and give the angels credit too. He said, I want, I want this role. I'm not going to do this. And the angel said, okay, bye-bye. And then the Dodgers come in saying, you know, he's, he wanted a more prominent role. And they said, this is what we have to offer. If you don't like it, go to another team. And the ultimately Albert Pujols capitulated. So credit to the teams for standing their ground and not bending over backwards to accommodate a guy who is not pulling his weight. Bullshit or no shit? We're going to debunk this week's most controversial sports topics right now. All right, boys and girls, you know the game. If we agree with the statement, it is no shit. If we disagree with the statement, it is bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit or no shit, number one, Bob Baffert should be banned for life. Man, I mean, I'm going to say no shit on this one. I mean, doping and horse racing is a big no-no. It affects the integrity of the race. A lot of people make a livelihood off of horse racing. And this all comes after Medina Spirit tested positive for a steroid after running in the Kentucky Derby. Um, they let him run in the Preakness, but I don't think he's going to be running in the Belmont Stakes. You can correct me if I'm wrong. So I'm going to go no shit on this one. I'm going no shit on this one as well. Belmont has banned Mr. Baffert. So we will wait for the biopic with Billy Bob Thornton playing Bob Baffert. 
And um, specifically, veterinarians found beta-methasone in a liniment for an antifungal cream that was being applied to the horse. So it is definitely, it's a steroid, can mask bone and joint injuries, and it can definitely have a serious negative effect on the horse since, as we know, especially from the past with the Santa Anita races, once the horse goes down and they find a leg injury or, you know, a bone injury or a joint injury, generally speaking, the, the horse has to be put down. And it's a completely inhumane thing to do. And apparently this is all legal. In Europe, they don't have this issue because there's no such thing as legal doping. There's no such thing as legal drugging. So it's one of those things that um, Medina Spirit never asked for the uh, antifungal. So, you know, I feel it's kind of weird that they, you know, it, it's kind of strange. It's not like the Tour de France. You hear, well, where else do you hear about doping? You hear about it in professional cycling. But the horse never asks for the dope. You know, the Floyd Landis's, the Lance Armstrong's, they want the dope because the dope makes them go faster. But in this case, like, it's, it's inhumane and it shouldn't be done. And it's not the first time that Bob Baffert's done it. I think he has a dozen either a dozen pending or a dozen confirmed allegations of doping in his career. So yeah. as successful as he's been, like, nah, dude, like you got to go. It's a yeah, good situation. Yeah. He's, he's, he's kind of notorious for this stuff. And I didn't realize how many horses he has and, and how much money he's actually made from horse racing. It's uh, it's pretty remarkable. No, it's, I mean, horse racing, like you said, is a, it's a pretty big industry, especially, you know, internationally. You don't you, you it's amazing how many you know how much is made on horse racing and horse breeding because once they're done with this scenario you then if they make it that far they're going to go into the breeding and then that's how the next generation is going to come it's going to be you know it, it's very lucrative and it's one of those things that i i get why bob baffert would want to do it but at the same time it's just like it still doesn't make it right it still doesn't make it legal Bullshit or no shit. Number two, Manny Machado is a dirty player. I'm going no shit on this one. However, it is not because of the Tommy Edmund play from this past weekend. So for those of you that missed it, it was a ground ball to second base. Tommy Edmund of the Cardinals ran in to field it. He was in the base pass trying to tag Manny Machado, who kind of short, uh, short slid him in the middle of the base pass, nowhere near the second base bag, and kind of low-bridged Tommy Edmund. Being a gentleman that he is, Manny Machado decided that it was, you know, okay, he picked him up, you know, and dapped him up, and then it's over. But, no, this has to go with Dustin Pedroia thing, with stepping on first baseman's ankles. Like, that makes him a dirty player. The Tommy Edmund thing reminded me a lot of Fernando Vina and Albert Bell. I don't know if you remember that play, but Albert Bell straight up blew up Fernando Vina <laughs> in between first and second and almost started a bench clearing brawl. In this instance, I didn't think this one was as bad, but for the other instances, and he's a repeat offender, Manny Machado is a dirty player. No shit. Yeah, I thought it was pretty bad. Um, I've seen the I've seen the play a bunch of times. I mean, he literally slows down and kind of waits for Edmund to go to throw the ball, and then he kind of low bridges him. I mean, 
other players would simply walk out of the base pads or get down to concede the out. And he there's there's not a bone in his body that wanted to do that on that play. So I'm going to go no shit. I think if someone thinks you're a dirty player, odds are you're a dirty player. Uh, you know, the fact that Buck Showalter came to his defense, defense and said it was a smart play that's all you need to know about this <laughs> uh but like i said he pretty much ended dustin Pedroia's career in 2017 with a similar takedown so uh there were ways around this this is what game number 34 35 like you didn't need to do this to poor tommy edmund over here no you could have either stopped dead in your tracks and make him tag you or start running back to first base like, yes. You know, yeah. There are there are ways to go around this. I mean, and if you knew, if you thought you were dead to right, just runs out, just run out the baseline. Like I agree. But in terms of most egregious, let this one versus the Chase Udley on Ruben Tejada play. Like this one wasn't as bad. I mean, there are degrees of bad, and this one, in my opinion, wasn't that bad. I mean, it could have been. It could have been worse. I'd love to know where Larusa stands on this one. I mean, it's just. It's just it's unnecessary. Even in little league now, they're teaching kids to go back. They're teaching kids to get out of the base pads. You're trying just to not get anybody hurt. And uh, it, I don't think he was. I don't think he was trying to hurt him, but he definitely waited for him to come in the way, and then went and low bridged him. No, it's it was definitely deliberate. You, you can tell it was deliberate. Yeah. I, I, we can agree on that one. Severity. I mean, if it's if degree, it's but, yeah, yeah, if it's if it's bang bang, I can I can see around that, or if it's even even if it's a play at the base, they weren't even anywhere near the base. Like, what are you nope. sliding for, bro? <laughs> what are you sliding for? What are you doing? Get out of the way. That's an A Rod move. I'm sorry, yeah. like, I can totally see Alex Rodriguez doing that. We're trying to slap the ball out of Tommy Edmonds' hands. Oh, we saw that one. <sighs> Bullshit or no shit. Number three. Ben Wallace is a Hall of Famer. Man, I had such a hard time with this. I couldn't believe it. Number one, I couldn't believe he got in. Number two, I, I can't believe he was the first undrafted player to get in. Uh, to me, I mean, it's it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Very Good. This guy was a four-time All-Star. He has one championship. He shot under 50% from the field, under 40% from the free throw line, and he averaged six points per game. Now, I will say that in the 2004 NBA Finals, he definitely did his thing against Shaq. Like, he definitely limited Shaq. He gave Shaq a hard time. But Ben who? Like, really? I'm torn with this as well. Because, like you said, it is the Hall of Fame. So it's the Hall – you're expecting greatness. Right. Now, Ben Wallace is known for his stout defensive play. If you're going on, I mean, granted, it, the going cross Hall of Fame isn't exactly a great argument, but if you're looking at defensive-minded players, like the precedent has been set in other sports, Ozzie Smith and Bill Mazeroski and so on and so forth. But the good thing about the Naismith Hall of Fame is that it doesn't just, it doesn't just encompass what you do as a pro. It also includes what you did in college. So while Ben Wallace's numbers don't look that great as a pro, average, averaging five and a half, uh, a little under 10 rebounds, one and a half assists, like that's just, no, that's, ba- that's bench numbers. But if you look at the college numbers at Virginia Union, right, and a Division II school, so 
he was he averaged 13.4 10 rebounds per game and then he also at Cuyahoga Community College he averaged 17 rebounds a game and almost seven blocks so there's an argument to be made if you take into account the entirety of his career but I gotta go bullshit I, I, as much as I like Ben Wallace and what he did as a contribution to the game of basketball, I can't put him in because honestly, if we're talking about just defensive players, then Bruce Bowen's got to go in. To me, Bruce yeah. Bowen is one of the most elite, if not the best defenders I've ever seen. Sticking his foot under Kobe Bryant as he was as he was aside, sticking that aside, Bruce Bowen was an amazing defender. And if you let Ben Wallace in, you got to start letting these guys in too. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, 18 years and you were only five, you were only all NBA five times. You were only six times all defense. Like, what are we talking about now? I mean, this just opens the door for other guys to get in. And I, 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 like I said, I like Ben Wallace. I mean, I really don't think the Pistons win the championship without him, but he's, he's just not the caliber of a player. And it's just, it has nothing to do with, even really scoring. I mean, he he's only got one championship. It's not like mm-hmm. he won multiple titles. And he um, wasn't even the best player on that team. We can argue that Rasheed Wallace was the best player on that team. Well, how? who's the other? Uh, Rich, Richard Hamilton. Rip Hamilton. Rip Hamilton. The best. Yeah. Rip Hamilton was phenomenal. Chauncey Billups. I mean, that, that, that was one of them. That was a team effort. Like, you can't really, like, identify. Oh, yeah. 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 And La- Larry Brown. like on that team. Yeah, he was one of the best defenders on that team. But, I mean, I just, like, is, I don't know. Is Charles Oakley in the Hall of Fame? That's a great question. I know that Charles Oakley discovered Ben Wallace. When Come he, on, he man. Rick, Rick, Rick Smith isn't even in the Hall of Fame. That, how, I mean, is the, how, how is this guy in the Hall of Fame over Rick Smith? Like, seriously, right now? Rick Smith was a great big man. Like, I, I agree with you. Oh, well, they also – well, Oakley went to the same school. That's very interesting. He also went to the same school as uh, Ben Wallace. That's very interesting. Uh, they both went to Virginia Union. Charles Charles Oakley – Charles Oakley's not, not in the Hall of he's Fame. He's in the Virginia Hall of Fame, but he's not in the, the Naismith Hall of Fame. Come on. This this case is closed. I think, I think we've made our point here. <laughs> That's crazy. I would agree. Sorry, Ben. This has been the Fade Route with D and Z. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You can catch our podcast on Wednesday nights on the Anchor, Spotify, or other premium outlets where podcasts can be heard. Until next time, stay faded, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. Turn on subscription notifications and tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread it wide.